0: For 50% off your delicious hassle-free meals
1: hi my name is Laura Ketchledge I'm 63 years old and my near-death experience happened in April of 1979 I really have to take you back to this time especially if you were born after the year 2000 in 1979 it was the days before the internet there wasn't any real discussion about near-death experience or psychic phenomena if you ever told somebody you know that you had seen an apparition or conveyed anything that wasn't straight-laced you would have been considered a freak you would have been ostracized so The anguish that I had with my near-death experience, I'm going to tell you my story because I don't want anyone else to ever feel that isolation as I did. Let me take you back. It's 1979 and I'm living in Northern Virginia and I'm thinking myself very cool, very progressive. I was working in a nightclub. I had my first apartment. I was driving a crappy Chevy Vega car and it was my own and it was paid for it was a great time in my life i just started living being an adult i can say this now that i'm older i was a pretty girl back then i had modeling aspirations and lots of boyfriends and i was just living life so one day i just decided to go horseback riding it was an accident a blessing an experience that would change my entire life shift my all my values. But it started out pretty innocent. I went out to Centerville, Virginia, where I used to take riding lessons and hired a horse for a couple of hours. I got on and it was just a beautiful April day. And I remember wearing my blue jeans and a light blue Indian cotton shirt and feeling the breeze and it was just really great. I'm a good rider. I'm not a great rider. And I was a little out of shape. I hadn't been on a horse in a few months. So I was riding around this field, enjoying the day, and it was getting a little bit later. And I hooked up with these other two guys that were riding behind me, and we decided to race our horses. Wasn't the best decision. My horse took off and went from a canter into a really, really fast hand gallop. And then the terrain got rough. It got very rough. And I knew that I was losing control, but I thought I could handle it. And I was riding and holding on the best I could. And I remember feeling this like dread, oh God, this horrible rolling fear came through me as my horse stumbled. And I knew I was gonna go flying. Luckily I had on my helmet. And as I was being flung off the horse at a high rate of speed, I never hit the ground. I went into this velvet, limitless tunnel. It was um, soft, the walls were soft, and it was completely pitch black. So I literally left my body before the impact of the accident. What had happened is I'd been thrown off this horse face first, into rocks, into a ditch, and I'd been killed. I didn't know that because I'd left my body. But as I left my body and went into another dimension, it was so abrupt, it was so unexpected. One minute I'm clicking uh, down the meadow and it's gorgeous, the next minute I'm dead. Let me tell you how much of a shock it was. Pretend you're in bed, it's in the middle of the night, it's 3 a.m., you're in Kansas, and suddenly someone throws you into the Atlantic Ocean. That's how abrupt it felt. To be flung out of my body and to go into this tunnel, I knew something had happened. I was no longer in physical reality. And that was the biggest shock of my life till then. All of the emotions you can you can imagine just roller coastered inside me. Fear, isolation, Dread, shock, grief, grief that I just lost everything that was the most precious to me, my identity. So I went through this tunnel and I know other people speak about it and see the light and feel this joy. It wasn't like that for me. I think it's because it was an accident and it was so abrupt. And then it all happened. There isn't time Time is irrelevant on the other side or in non-physical reality. You are just there at the present. So I know I'm dead. I know that this is not a heaven or hell situation. I was never really indoctrinated into organized religion, even though my grandfather was a minister and I'd gone to church and sang in the choir. And it was kind of a blessing that I wasn't. It was a good thing I wasn't indoctrinated, because I would have probably been more upset. But when you leave the physical world so abruptly, there is—there are there so many things that you learn, so many experiences that there aren't, there isn't a human language articulate enough to describe it. To say the walls of the tunnel were velvet, but dense at the same time to say that i was not in any pain i felt no physical pain though i did have this sensation of a body did not have the courage to check out my limbs to see if they were still there i just felt like it was magnificent to say the least that i felt so wonderful i wasn't hurting The problems of physical reality didn't exist. I was just in the present. It's a hard thing to articulate, but I was just there. So the most wonderful thing happened, my grandfather. My grandfather died when I was 12 years old. It was very traumatic. He had a terrible death of cancer. I loved him dearly. He was the most precious person in the world to me. And he was my guide. Well. He didn't look like a young man. He looked like an older man. The man I knew from my childhood. The person was there to comfort me. And it was really emotional, to say the least, seeing the person you love and lost and hadn't seen in years, to know they still existed, to know that the love that they felt the day they died was just as strong years later when he was finding me. There's things that I learned in my life review that came next that were very disturbing, at least for me. I realized you go through your life's review basically and it's like this. It's not a judgment, the, you're your own critic. You, you re-experience things that you've done to other people. Let's say there's a situation and you were curt or rude to somebody. You're gonna feel their hurt feelings or you're going to feel their joy when you've done something nice. So everything you do in your life from you're a small child to the day you draw your last breath, it matters. How do you treat people? You get the bill at the end, basically. Like if you've been a really bad person, I think your life review, that would be pretty hellish. It would be pretty terrible. But I saw in my life review that I was reacting from circumstances it's like i was so heavily influenced by the fact that and the frustrations that i was dyslexic that i couldn't make it do well in school dyslexia is a neurological glitch disorder learning disability yada 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 so i was reacting to things that i had been born with and i wasn't reacting well throughout my life i did some really good things with animals and i just felt the good results so basically your life review without me rambling is an accountability and you're judging yourself and you're understanding why did i react so badly Well, you had A, B, and C factor. That's why you reacted badly. Or why did I do this that was really good? And you understand the good results. So basically, what I got is that everything in your life, how you treat others matters, your mindset. Are you a kind person? Are you a person that is just taking your bad mood out on everyone? All of these things I learned and your life review, it's like happens all at once, but each scene has depth, so I can't really explain it. You have to have it to understand it. There, I usually don't go into great detail about it when I do a show or write an article because it's hard to articulate, but basically you see the results of your actions and the long-term results. If you've affected somebody in a good way, you know, you're going to really feel how it goes down the line and same is in a bad way. I can tell you one thing I did learn. This doesn't apply to me, but let's say you run a company, for instance, and you make a bad product and this product goes out and it hurts somebody and it kills somebody's kid or it it does something really, really bad and you've made money at it. When that company person dies, they're gonna feel and see and experience all of the negative things they did to somebody else. So basically, nobody gets away with murder. Nobody gets away with cruelty. You're gonna have an accountability at some point. I can't imagine what a life review for somebody that, like a politician that starts a war or a drunk driver that wipes out a family. I can't imagine what their life review is going to be. But I know even the small infractions that I made, I felt the results. So my life review was sad, stressful, upsetting. And I, felt like, gosh, I haven't even finished my life. I never got a chance to do it right. So there was real anguish in my life review. But I did see some things that I really had done right. Like a girl that I had befriended that was getting bullied at school and sort of protected her from the bullies. So how important that was. I saw how important finding this lost cat was to the little girl that I returned it to. Small things like that aren't small. They're huge. They're enormous. They're ginormous. The values that I had during my, that I went in when I died, the day I died are so different. My whole shift happened during my life review. The worst thing you can do is screw up somebody's destiny, hurt some innocent person, affect their life in a negative way. That's the worst you can do. The best you can do is (laughs) don't do damage to others. I don't know. I just wanted to talk about how profound a life review is and how it impacts you and changes you and the shift in your morals is totally, totally different. It's so important to be nice. And listen, I am not Saint Laura, but I try not to take a bad day out on somebody else. I try to do better. So I had this life review and it was a lot of anguish and very upsetting and my grandfather was there to comfort me and non-physical reality is so thought responsive that you can't believe it you can change your just by thinking change your whole what's around you Uh, i thought about the tree of life it just flashed through my mind and i saw this beautiful tree And I knew it wasn't the Tree of Life, some biblical thing, but it was pretty cool. And it was white and it had texture and it was pretty neat. So you have to really control what you're thinking about while you're out of body. Another thing I learned is physical reality, you know, think about the Earth and the crust of the Earth and physical reality is this small little space and then it gets denser and denser into the core and that is unbelievable the layers that is in physical reality you've got physical reality but in the same space in a different dimension there is non-physical reality uh different layers and there's like a super highway that you go down and through the layers that get less dense and less dense and more thought responsive that is very cool but when I had my life review I still wasn't ready that my life was over I still had so much hope in physical reality So I was so grounded in physical reality I wasn't accepting it well and my grandfather was trying to soothe me trying to make me feel better he was standing there as to help me now there was other people behind him but I couldn't perceive I couldn't they were on a different frequency or a different focus or I don't know what but I know that there was other people around I just wasn't able to perceive the group that was around me I could perceive my grandfather but nobody else so my grandfather still loved me he wasn't there to explain a lot he was there to comfort and I know that I had a decision about going back to physical reality, going back to my life. And I know that there was a blonde woman that said, this was going to be hard. This was going to, I was going to have a specially hard life, a difficult life. Wow. Was that an understatement? So being in non-physical reality, time doesn't exist. The life review happens instantaneous but has many layers, which doesn't translate very well. Let me get on to other things that I learned while I was out of body. There is a layer right outside of physical reality that's a carbon copy, but just a little bit less dense. So let's say you die in your house. You can go into non-physical reality and still think you're in your house. You could get lost there. Perhaps that's what happens when people think that there's ghosts and whatnot. I don't know, just a good guess. I know that that I traveled on a super, like a super highway that goes through the dimensions and the layers. So let me get to the next part that is pretty cool. Source, what is the furthest I went that I've ever gone out of body was Source. I think people mistake it for heaven. I don't think it's heaven. I think there's something way beyond it, but I burst into this area that was filled with souls, that I was floating in a sea of love, that there was a sky and there was sun, but no actual sun, there was brightness, and music floated through like in random waves of music. Beautiful, classical, soothing music to make me feel better. The sea of souls that I was floating in were parts of me. I really have never been a big person until then about reincarnation but I was with different personalities that had that were part of me so that's a tough one to wrap your head around that was a tough one for me to wrap my head around I couldn't even remember it clearly because it had such an impact but I didn't get to stay long just enough like a glimpse through a door or a window and a feeling of like intense joy and love and I think people mistake that as heaven but it wasn't heaven it was going home it was to your source so after that i was catapulted back to another dimension and then my grandfather was there and it was a dimension close to physical reality it was mauve in appearance very light and airy i mean there was a ground but there was no floor he had formed he was standing there he looked like him and no one said oh laura you have to go back and live your life It was time for me to go back. So I didn't have a choice. I wanted to stay with him. A sweeping fear ran through me of the idea of going back, like not after I learned all these things. And then I felt like as I was standing there, things were being taken away, lessons, explanations, experiences. And I said to my grandfather, I said, This has been so long, so I knew that there was a lot that I can't tell you, a lot that happened that was being removed from my memories. So I think there was a lot more explanation, a lot more interaction that I had, but I wasn't allowed to take back the memories when I went back to physical reality. I felt them being stripped away from me, and that made me feel sad, grief-stricken, like I wanted to claw them back in and push them back in, and they were being taken away from me, perhaps because it was too much for me to comprehend. I don't know. That's that's just a guess. But all of these epiphanies, and there was a lot of epiphanies and a lot of interactions, and this experience was way longer than I can tell you. I can only tell you what I, I was able to keep and remember. My grandfather... I know he felt empathetic for me, but he didn't want me there. He wanted me to come back and finish my life. But I also believe that he wanted me to come back and tell his wife that he loved, my grandmother, what had transpired. I felt like a messenger for him. And of course, later on, I did convey everything to him about to her about him. It was heartbreaking. There just wouldn't be enough tears in an ocean that i can tell you how bad i felt about coming back so like a swoosh my body went backwards went backwards through the tunnel and boom i was back in physical reality so when i got back in physical reality i can say the least i didn't take it well i looked up The two gentlemen that saved my life that resuscitated me, and there was a whole group of people there, and and there was a car to take me to the hospital and all that. And I looked at these guys and I I looked around the field and I was hurt and I was really hurt Beth. And I just said to myself, this is not reality. I knew where I had been, and that is the true home. That this is we're just visitors and taking the tour of physical reality. I knew that I'd lost something terribly important. I'd been through something life-changing and I was distraught. And I was also very hurt. On the way to the hospital, I passed out. I didn't go out of my body, but I fainted. I had a massive concussion, a broken nose, which is still broken, a broken finger, which is still crooked and I don't think there was a part of me that wasn't bruised. I was banged up badly. I was wearing a riding helmet, so I guess that saved my life. But I got into the hospital, and my mom was actually, she worked at that hospital, Fairfax Hospital, and this was um, April of 1979. And I got into the hospital and they did x-rays and, you know, all kinds of exams and stuff. And I started to try to tell the doctor what had happened, about my near-death experience and stuff. And all of a sudden, he went from compassion to disgust. He folded his arms and he said, what drugs have you taken? And I said, I didn't take any drugs. I had an accident. This is what happened during the accident. I don't understand you know, why I'm here, and I was very, very distraught. He went, said some things to my mother, and my mother said, listen, if she was taking drugs, she'd be the first to tell you. She's not, she's had a severe head injury, you need to admit her, and the doctor was just awful. And I just wanted to to go home, and I just, there's some things that I felt that were urgent. This urgency after your near-death experience, it's just profound. Everything was urgent for about 12 hours. I had to tell my grandmother that I loved her. I had to tell my boyfriend that I loved him. I had to tell everybody that you have to get it right, what you, you know I wanted to tell everybody, you know, oh my God, this is what happens. you need to get it right. Oh my God, what had happened. But what had changed in me after that doctor shamed me in front of the nurses and embarrassed me and he just said awful things to me, awful things about kids these days and blah, blah, blah. Here I was 19 years old and doctors are like a god in your eyes and he was treating me like scum. When my mother was driving me home after the accident, I started getting out of the car. I tried to open up the car door and get out in the middle of traffic. I mean, I really was distraught. So I went over to my mom's house and I went upstairs and I I was really hurt and I grappled with what how can i tell anybody what they're gonna think i'm nuts they're gonna think i'm on drugs and i thought i can't tell anybody this has got to be my secret no one will understand if you weren't i wouldn't believe anybody if they had told me it was really very very upsetting i felt like i lost my grandfather again like it was a second death and it can i wouldn't be seeing him for a very long time and then I worried about the woman with the blonde hair that told me I was going to have a very hard life and it was going to be quite difficult. Well, she really, really told the truth because shortly after that, I was diagnosed with autoimmune disease and had a lot of life and death struggles. But the things that I learned about non-physical reality is was beautiful, was that the love still exists. Everything good Matters. There is a beautiful place that you do go to that you can experience after death. So my fear of death is diminished. I just was really, really sad about a lot of things, you know. I learned good things when I was out of body, but I wasn't capable to hold them in my mind, I couldn't keep it. Now, I want to talk to you about the after effects of my near-death experience. This is when the, the party started, so to say the least. I told my grandmother about seeing my grandfather and whatnot. And she said, she believed me. And my grandmother said to me, and her name was Laura also. She said, my mother had the gift. I think it's passed through you. I think it passed through my son. I don't have it. So I was, to find out, my great-grandmother had uh, psychic abilities, uh, healing abilities. People came to her that were ailing and she could put her hand on them. And she did that when her own child had a bee sting that was fatal and saved him. So the thing that happened after my near-death experience, the after effects, were the ability to see recently departed people, relatives, things like that, um, they call it psychic ability. I mean, if I was really a psychic, I'd be at the casinos rolling in, the, in money. But I did ha- come back with some after effects, which were pretty, pretty dramatic. The first time I saw somebody that had passed, I got up and ran out of the room like a mental patient with her hair on fire. It was scary. It's less dramatic as the years have gone by. It's so beautiful to know that love still extends into the next life it's so beautiful to know that i will be seeing loved ones again i will be reunited there are many things clues that i've had about the afterlife for the 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 last 40 years that are remarkable but we're talking today about my near-death experience it shifted my values it changed me it was the greatest gift I've ever been given. I would have liked to skip the broken nose and the injuries, but I'm so glad I had that fall. I'm so glad that someone resuscitated me because I was able to give my dying parents comfort and knowledge of the afterlife before they died. And I was able to be with them as they died and take care of them. And I had a shared death experience with my late father in 2017, when he died, if I hadn't had this accident, I don't think I would have been able to do it. A near-death experience opens you up psychically. It changes you completely, I think. Well, not just your core values and, and knowledge of the afterlife, but I think it awakens something in you. And I think I've talked to other people that have are NDEers and they've had the psychic phenomena afterwards the greatest gift of my life was this accident the greatest tragedy is I really really miss my grandfather these 40 years I'm glad I'll see him again but boy I've really missed him and um, that is something I wanted to tell you that I think is important another thing is I think that people romanticize a near-death experience. It's not an easy thing like you come to Jesus and there's angels. It's a real accountability of the life that you've led. So if you haven't led such an ideal life, try to be nicer. Try not to damage anybody. That's what I say. That's what I believe. A near-death experience is such a shift it's such a blessing but it doesn't give you the permission to not try and to just let go and to die because you're going to a good place your purpose here in uh, this physical reality in this incarnation is to live the best life you can to help people as best you can to be a good person to love all of those little corny things your mom told you when you were a kid about Kindness, they're all true, but we're brought here on this earth to experience and to learn and to love and to try to be a nicer person. I don't always get there, but that's what I got from my near-death experience. My name is Laura Kethledge, and after my NDE, I became an author writing about near-death experience and and fictional stories just to express myself, just to get it out there. So I hope you have learned something or maybe not, but this is what happened to me. Thank you.